Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Okay. So we have this whiteboard of things that we need to do, and it's on the refrigerator, and I'm looking at uh, the various tasks that need to be accomplished, and I couldn't help but notice that you had written Mama's Birthday with the date, and then... uh, a question mark? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what? You don't know your yeah. mom's birthday? Well, I no, I always have to double check. Um, and that's not my fault. I mean, I can see how you might think that's Why is that my not, fault, but it's not my fault. Why is it not your fault? Well, because for a long time, she told me it was a different date. Because oh. I guess her mom had told her it was a different date, and it wasn't until... She was an adult that she realized it was a different date. So I always think it's one date, but it's the other date. And what? every time I think it's a date, then I think maybe it's the right date and I remembered it wrong uh-huh. or maybe it's the other way around. And so I always have to double check. So let me ask you this. Was her mother playing a joke on her? No. Just taunting her? She just wasn't a very good mother. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. That uh, reminds me of that story that we just <laughs> uh, we just received an email about this. Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, birthday. I I think I want to do that as a topic. Really? So don't say that. Okay. Okay. All right. right. We'll save that for later then. (laughs) But do you have something to tell me today? Oh, I certainly do, my love. Oh, good. Because that's your job. Get on it. Get down on it. Get down on it. All right. Here we go. It's well known that you and I both love the whole Conjuring Universe series of films. This is true. Yeah, we've seen all of them at least once. Uh, They're not just plain fun to watch, but uh, they they can be pretty scary, particularly the Annabelle series. I know that bothers you, the whole uh, haunted doll idea. I think it bothers you more than it bothers me, but that's fine. You know what bothers me? You don't know what your mom's birthday is. You know what? Eat a dick. (laughs) How about that? Try eating a dick and (laughs) see how that works for you. Annabelle, the original film, came out in 2014, and then... Uh, Annabelle Creation came out. That was the sequel. That was uh, 2017. The most recent Annabelle film came out in 2019 called uh, Annabelle Comes Home. 
You know, the film series is supposedly based on real-life events experienced by, uh, among other people, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Right. The movie itself takes some liberties in telling the tale, at least based on what the original story was. <laughs> Most based on a true story, horror movies do take liberties, yeah. Mm. Um, for those of you who may not have seen any of the Annabelle movies, it's the story of a demonically possessed and, uh, and terrifying porcelain doll that uh, is described as disfigured and immediately menacing. That's, that's what it says in the liner notes. Uh, according to the Warrens, they got the doll from a student nurse back in 1970. There are stories of the doll behaving strangely. Now, the Warrens investigated, ultimately moving the possessed doll to their occult museum. And the museum, by the way, is currently closed. I think because, you know, Ed and Lorraine are dead and it's hard to take tickets. Uh, but that's not the only thing in the museum. There are articles of all sorts of their investigations that are purportedly uh, haunted. Right. Or possessed. Also, you gave me the squeaky chair this time. Yeah, I did. In his book, The Demonologist, written by uh, Gerald Brittle, he breaks down the true story behind the Annabelle myth. And this is how it goes. This is These are facts that have been checked. When the uh, instances uh, are a little hokey, I will point that out. Okay? Uh, okay. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> In the late 1960s, there were two nursing students. One's name was Laura uh, Clifton, mm -hmm. and the other was Deidre Bernard. They lived together in a small apartment. It was during this time that Laura became engaged to a guy named Cal Randall. Deidre's 24th birthday was quickly coming up, and her mom gave her kind of an unusual gift for a 24-year-old, but it had sentimental meaning to Deidre. It was a Raggedy Ann doll, but uh, not a regular Raggedy Ann doll, one of those giant ones that was about the size of a, of a four-year-old. I know that every woman in her early 20s wants a giant doll hanging out in her house. <laughs> Do you want to come back to my place? There's a weird doll that'll stare at you. Uh-huh. <sighs> Now, this is the first difference in the story. In, in the movie, it's a porcelain doll, and it has a horrifying expression on its face. In uh, the real story, it was a Raggedy Ann doll, and it looked just like a Raggedy Ann doll. Didn't okay. have a menacing grimace or anything on her face. Okay, so porcelain dolls do creep me out. Yeah. Um, and that's just because I had a ton of them when I was a kid, and that wasn't my fault either uh, for some <laughs> reason. People around me, like adults, got this idea that I loved porcelain dolls, and I did not. Um, so I had so many of them. And how do you be like, um, hi, people who care about me, stop doing the thing that you think is nice, because yeah. it's not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I had a boss one time, and uh, he uh, hated hunting. All of his friends loved to hunt, and mm -hmm. he hated hunting. And so as a joke, one of his friends bought him a duck decoy. Okay. But it was a pretty nice duck decoy, so he put it in his office, and then people would come in and see it and think he liked duck decoys. Pretty soon he had like 40 of them. <laughs> Uh, it's funny when it happened to him. So anyway, they get this doll, and at first everything seemed pretty normal, and there was no reason for alarm, uh, until a few weeks later. The girls noticed that uh, Annabelle would often be in a different position than what she was left in when they went to class. 
Now, you know, you can easily write that off. Tipped over or maybe, you know, if you had an animal, it knocked it. Who knows? Sometimes the doll, however, would be in a completely different room from where she was left. And oftentimes they would find her in strange places. Uh, They found her in the sink one time. They found her on top of the refrigerator. The girls thought maybe they were pranking each other. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I would assume. Like, it, I would automatically assume that you were messing with me yeah, right. and just lying about it. Right. Well, we had that situation with the elephant statues, and you thought I was just fucking with you. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case. We had these elephant statues on a shelf, and Cat uh, would put them in a very specific order. And then later in the day or that night, the elephants would have all moved gradually to the left and you could see kind of a trace in, in like a little bit of dust on the shelf. It was a lot of dust. It was a lot of dust. We don't dust. No, we've never dusted. So I said, no, I'm not doing it. I, I didn't have anything to do with that. And uh, we noticed that it was on hot days <laughs> that the elephants decided to go for a little walk. And what it was, was we would put on the air conditioner in the window and it would vibrate in the, well, anyway, there was a scientific reason behind it. That's right. There often is. So they put Annabelle in a very specific position on the bed and they both agreed that that's where the doll was. And they came back after a long day of classes. Allegedly. When they came home, they found Annabelle kneeling in the living room as if in prayer. And as soon as they walked in the room, the doll fell over. So they tried to set the doll back in the kneeling position that they had witnessed mm-hmm. Annabelle in, and they were unable to do it. There, there was no way that they could prop the doll up in that position. There just wasn't any support for it. Uh-huh. It was at this point that they started finding notes. Notes? Notes. Is it a scavenger hunt? Because I love a scavenger hunt. <laughs> this is a demonic scavenger hunt. <laughs> Now, at first, these notes just appeared. They were like just scribbles and unintelligible, maybe marks on a piece of paper. Occasionally, they'd find stuff scribbled on a tablecloth or written in dust (laughs) on the side of the cabinet. (laughs) Very quickly, the words began to appear where prior there had just been scribbling. They would find scraps of paper written in pencil with notes like, help us. One message said, help Cal. And of course, Cal was Laura's fiance. And they had no idea what these messages referred to. They they didn't know anybody who who would have needed help and they knew Cal didn't need help. So, like you and me right now, they started suspecting Cal was responsible. Sure. Because, you know, among other things, there there were no pencils in the apartment. They couldn't find any pencils, which is weird for a nursing student. You'd think they'd have pencils. Just a stockpile of pens with drug names on the side. <laughs> yeah, right. Ask your doctor if Cymbalta is right for you. So what they started to do, because they thought maybe Cal was pranking him, they started setting little booby traps, uh, little things that would tell them if somebody had entered the apartment, like they'd put a piece of invisible scotch tape between the door and the door jam at the Mm -hmm. bottom of the door where nobody would notice it. And it, it was never disturbed. There was no evidence that anybody had entered the apartment. Well, not through the door. So soon after this, things started to get worse. One day they came home and they found blood on the doll. At Christmas, a box of chocolates just mysteriously appeared in their apartment. Again, it appeared as if no one had entered, yet there was a box of chocolates sitting on the kitchen table. So, I'm sorry, the the doll supposedly 
left them a Christmas present. Of- like went out and got them chocolates or like manifested <laughs> chocolates? Um, Did they eat the chocolates? Well, there was no no sign that anybody had entered or left. Plus, I don't think if the doll had left to buy the chocolates that uh, the, the clerk could see her over the counter. You okay, know, she thieved him. Okay, that's possible and probably likely because it's hard to uh, to get a credit card when you're a haunted doll. Mm. So they decided uh, at this point to call in a psychic or a medium. And to answer your question, I doubt very much they ate the chocolate. Don't know for a fact, but they were nursing students. Who are notorious chocolate Aholics? No, but probably they're <laughs> smart enough to know you don't eat chocolate that probably came from a haunted doll. Oh, I see what you were saying. Okay. I thought you were saying, well, they were nursing students, so maybe they ate the chocolate. <laughs> you know, those nursing students. Allegedly. Can't say no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so the psychic told them that uh, she was able to discern that years ago, a little girl died on the property that now is the site of the apartment building. The little girl gave her name as Annabelle Higgins. The psychic told them that Annabelle liked the nurses because they were the youngest ones in the building. Everybody else was older. Okay. And she didn't have any young people to play with. And so this was the closest thing that the ghost could find to, uh, you know, have a playmate. So she began playing with them by moving the doll. This is what the psychic says. Right. Annabelle told the medium that she wanted to be loved and that she was lonely and she didn't know where her family was. Through the psychic, Annabelle asked Laura and Deidre if she could inhabit the doll so she could live with them. And they said yes. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is where Ed and Lorraine Warren got involved. They said later that that decision to grant the spirit permission to enter the doll was a big mistake. Yeah, as far as I know, if a... If some sort of spirit asks you anything, the answer should be no. (laughs) Um, Can I come in? Nope. nope. The girls, according to the Warrens, should never have contacted a medium who was not experienced in dealing with malevolent spirits. Did the medium get tricked? Yes. Okay. So Annabelle was lying about being lost and sad and okay. Uh, It actually ended up causing the girls far more harm. Instead of it being a ghost of a playful little girl that inhabited the uh, the doll, they actually had invited a demonic presence into their lives. Well, it's bringing chocolates, so (laughs) how how bad bad can it it be? be? So instead of a cute little Annabelle Higgins girl ghost, they got a demonic entity. According to the Warrens, human ghosts are not able to move objects or to harm those who are living. Oh, is that right? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, this, of course, did not line up with the doll's activities or M.O. And the doll's activities began to increase. And as they increased, they became more threatening and more powerful. Okay. So let's go back to Cal, Laura's boyfriend. Now, he started having lucid nightmares, and the most vivid one he had was one of the doll attacking him. Oh, no. One night, Laura and Cal were alone in the apartment, and they heard noises coming from Deidre's room. No, Did not she those. have a sock on the door <laughs> handle? <laughs> no, not those kind of noises. Uh, more noises of a demonic type. You so, know what she's into. So Cal went in to check it out, and he saw Annabelle sitting on the bed. But when he turned around, when he turned his back on the doll, something clawed at his chest and it left claw marks 
seven inches long and it bloodied his shirt. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the Lorenz at this point called a priest. The priest performed the rites of exorcism, uh, not only on Deidre and Laura and Cal, but the apartment as well. Why he didn't perform them on the doll is beyond me. Mm. But then again, I'm not an exorcist. The Warrens then removed Annabelle and locked her in a glass case at the Occult Museum. For years, Annabelle was the main attraction at the museum while it was open. Ed and Lorraine are now both dead, so where the hell is Annabelle? Mm. Well, Lorraine's daughter and son-in-law now have Annabelle, still in the glass case, sitting in the garage. That demon will never get out of this garage. That's just a great advertisement. The demon will never get out of this garage. Thanks to Overhead Door Company. (laughs) Overheaddoor.com. For all your demon trapping needs. (laughs) According to Wikipedia, Texas State University Assistant Professor of Religious Studies, Joseph Laycock, said, (laughs) Most skeptics have dismissed the Warrens Museum as, quote, Full of off-the-shelf Halloween junk, Mm -hmm. dolls and toys and books you can buy at any bookstore. Laycock says that the Annabelle (laughs) legend is is interesting. It's an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal folklore. He speculates that the demonic doll trope became popularized by films like Child's Play, Also based on a true story, quote-unquote, Robert the Doll. Robert the Doll is another example that he gives. There's also a Twilight Zone that was called uh, Living Doll, which came out about five years before the uh, Warrens said that that this happened. Okay. I also remember a movie, uh, early 70s it came out, and it was about a ventriloquist dummy that comes to life. And yeah, I don't don't remember it all, but that scared the shit out of me. Also, Trilogy of Terror, The Little Doll in the Oven. What? I don't remember that one. Yeah, that's the most scary part. Trilogy of Terror, an excellent Karen Black vehicle. I really enjoyed Trilogy of Terror and Circle of Fear. Oh, Circle of Fear. If you ever come across Circle of Fear, it was also called Ghost Story. It was an early 70s TV series that uh, starred Sebastian Cabot, at least in the first part of the season. Watch it. It's it's just good old-fashioned Twilight Zone kind of uh, stuff. So much fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. With an underlying theme in every episode that women are crazy and can't be trusted. There's a ghost. Oh, Karen. Laycock suggests that, quote, The idea of demonically possessed dolls allows the modern demonologists to find supernatural evil in the most banal and domestic of places. Um, okay, maybe. But uh, I'm not taking any chances. I still won't go see Robert the Doll. Forget about that. I'm not going. One of the members of the inner circle of freaks, Josh, told us a story one time um, during the uh, phone calls with the freak family sessions that we had. He went to see Robert the Doll and uh, took pictures and none of the pictures came out. Interesting. Indeed. (laughs) I got my information from Thought Catalog, Wikipedia, and The Hollywood Reporter. Wow. The real story behind Annabelle, or as real as we can get it. (laughs) And now, that thing in the middle. If you're thinking of moving to Japan, good news. There are lots of ways to make a living. But none more strange than this. In Japan, you can hire a handsome man to show up at your workplace. 
He'll then watch sad videos with you until you cry. And then gently wipe away your tears. For a small fee, of course. We're writing a limerick about this podcast, and we need your help. Now, what's a three-syllable word that rhymes with gaping flesh wound? Well, we're waiting. This is The Box of Oddities. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money well i've got the podcast for you i'm sean piles and i host nerd wallets smart money podcast on our show we help listeners like you make the most of your finances 
I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Jessica wrote in and she said, My boyfriend had a song stuck in his head, which made me think about something I heard Kat and Jethro talk about. It was something to do with each of them making playlists with the songs that are stuck in their heads throughout some amount of time and then sharing them with each other by listening to them. I was just curious what that tradition exactly was. I absolutely love you guys. Listen every day at work. Thank you. Makes my day better. Have a beautiful day, freaks. Um, okay, yeah, we uh, we haven't done that since we moved. We no. need to start doing that again. We have a lot of music-based traditions. <laughs> yeah, we we truly do. Um, well, what we what we do or what we have done is for a week. First thing when we wake up, if we've got a song in our head, we write the song down and we don't share it with the other person. And then on Friday, we create a playlist on uh, Echo with those songs mm. if they're available. If, right. if they're not, then we, we research it and find stuff on YouTube and that sort of thing. But uh, we've had a real eclectic mix of music. Oh, my gosh. It can get so weird. Usually it's like Michael McDonald into Corrosion of Conformity. <laughs> Followed by the McDonald's jingle. Ba-da-ba-ba-da. I'm loving it. Chicken wing, chicken wing, hot dog and bologna, oh God, chicken no. and macaroni. Oh, God. You got that stuck in my head for like two weeks. <laughs> We should probably get to your topic because we have a dump truck right outside the uh, window and every time it backs up, (laughs) (laughs) so you may hear that. Uh, Anyway, what you got for me? Okay. In the Sahara, in the Fayum depression of Egypt's Western desert, there's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So... Egypt, it's one of the driest places in the world, but it was once covered by sea and is now a rich source of fossils. I thought one of the driest places in the world was that town that Kevin Bacon danced in. I still haven't watched that. I need to watch that movie. It's a footloose reference, everyone. Um, it is also known as Whale Valley because of all the marine fossils found there. Oh, wow. Phyomacetus was unearthed there in 2008. It was a partial skeleton of a single individual that included a cranium, a right mandible, an incomplete left mandible, several teeth, fifth cervical vertebra, sixth thoracic vertebra, sixth left rib, and an isolated right rib. Phymocetus is a genus of proceeded whale that lived between 43 and 42 million years ago. No way. In the middle of the Eocene 
Epoch. Oh, that, that gave me shivers. <laughs> which is the second epoch of the tertiary period. Um, and I actually learned that uh, tertiary is uh, still widely used, but it's considered an obsolete epoch. It's like an obsolete way to describe oh. a time period. It was omitted from the IUGS approved time scale since 1989, but it's still in common use. Um, and recently, I guess they reinstated the quaternary as a formal unit of time. Hmm. So they're considering reinstating the tertiary time period as well. And it reminds me of like Pluto being a planet and then uh, yeah. being removed as planet. And, you know, what's the process for that? Is I it like, know. like a voting in a committee or is it just some guy in a desk at a desk somewhere? It must be a committee. I don't know. But I think it's really interesting because <laughs> I, I just picture this guy getting all smoked up going Pluto's not a planet <laughs> no <laughs> like that so Phyamacetus Anubis is a key new whale species and we're going to call wow. him P. Anubis from now on because it's hard to say the other thing um, and it was a critical discovery for Egyptian and African paleontologists according to Abdullah Goar who reported to Reuters. Why did they have P. Anubis envy? While this is not the first time that the fossil of a whale with legs has been found. Shut up. P. Anubis is believed to be the earliest type of semi-aquatic whale to be discovered in Africa. So, so okay. My question immediately would be, mm -hmm. did the whale evolve legs to get out onto the water? Mm -hmm. I mean, out of the water or... Did a land mammal evolve into an aquatic creature? The latter. Oh, I love this. So by analyzing the whale's partial remains, pieces of its skull, jaw, teeth, vertebra, and such, it was discovered by the team that the 1,300-pound P. Anubis was the earliest stop. Sorry. The earliest whale in Africa from a group of semi-aquatic whales. He was about... 10 feet long. That's a giant Pianubis. <coughs> Haggis mommy hates me. And the the name, the nod to Anubis, who is the jackal-headed god of ancient Egypt who would accompany the dead uh, into the afterlife, comes from the fact that this whale with legs uh, looks like he has a giant dog head. Okay, a giant 10-foot dog-headed whale with legs? Yeah, so the whale's skull bears a resemblance to the skull of like a dog or a jackal. Oh, wow. And the study lead author, Abdullah Goar, uh, said that the long third incisors next to its canines suggests that they, his jaw was used to catch, debilitate, and retain faster and more elusive prey items before they were moved to the cheek teeth to be chewed into smaller pieces and swallowed. Basically, this guy was an apex predator. And what does that mean? Well, it's besides being a great Otep song, mm -hmm. um, it's also that he was probably the beast of the ocean at that moment. Okay. Like anything was at risk around this guy. Okay. But was it like that when he was on the land? Uh, he must have been kind of like that, or jackal-like mm -hmm. or 
canine-like? That would be my understanding. God, that's Um, crazy. He had huge muscles on his head that would have given an incredible bite force, allowing it to capture large prey through snapping and biting. And uh, they discovered that they were just fierce, deadly, powerful jaws with a wider range of prey. So anything from crocodiles to other whales to, you know, whatever. But to your question, whales were once deer-like terrestrial animals that were herbivores for about 10 million years before evolving into creatures of the deep that nommed on anything they chose. That is that is the most bizarre thought ever. We come from single cell organisms. They evolved to a point in this case that the uh, animal left the sea, became a, quote, deer-like creature for Mm -hmm. millions of years, and then got back in the water and turned into whales. Yeah, but beast whales that could pretty much do whatever they wanted. Wow. According to the research team, the species likely dominated on land as well as in the sea and used a, quote, raptor-style feeding method okay so they would come out of the ocean and catch animals as well as catching them in the ocean yeah they didn't care they would they would eat anything nightmare fuel (laughs) well that's we're into spooky season so i figured i'd go with something uh scary that's real annabelle's real sweetie (laughs) so he basically he looked like a large dog but with like a whale size body oh, and <laughs> land moving legs with webbed feet where he could. <laughs> so anyway, uh, obviously a key species, a critical discovery. In 2011, paleontologists in Peru actually discovered a whale fossil that had, in addition to legs and webbed feet, also hooves. Oh, my God. You're blowing my mind here. So you can see how, you know, just in different places as they're evolving, they're just trying out different things. What works best? And eventually they were like, well, we're not going to do the land thing anymore. Mm, so yeah. we just get get rid of those legs. Yep. Which is the sound it makes when a whale evolves no legs. I got most of my information from BBC.com, Smithsonian Magazine, Live Science, and of course, Wikipedia. I remember watching... An early episode of Cosmos with Carl Sagan, the original Uh. version. And he was talking about uh, the period of of global discovery when when sailors from around the European uh, region started reaching out and, you know, and discovering or finding other uh, continents Mm -hmm. and crossing the ocean. And he talked about it from the whale's perspective. What did the whales think when all of a the sudden these big wooden things uh, with people on them peeing into the ocean came along? Because you know they peed into the ocean. Of course they did. They probably lined up and had a contest. See so who could pee the farthest. Wow, that's very specific that you just got into there. Anyway, would you like to see a picture of P. Anubis? I would definitely. Obviously not a picture, a, a artist's rendering of what they think yeah. that he might have looked like. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. Right. That's that is nightmare fuel. You got to post that. I, that 
I think he's kind of cute. Oh, yeah, of course you do. But I can see how uh, it might be terrifying knowing that, uh, you know, basically he could do whatever he wanted. And, yeah. Yeah. And snap you in two like, like you were a twig. So anyway, that's P. Anubis, the four-legged, dog-headed, apex predator whale. Thanks for that, I guess. You're welcome. We're really getting jacked up about our first live show in a year and a half. Mm. It's coming up on the 20, is it the 29th? It's 29th. the 29th of October uh, in New York City. And tickets are available. If you're in the New York area, you want to go, we'd love to see you. This ought to be a lot of fun. Um, if you're not in the New York area, or if you're in the New York area and just don't want to go outside. Understandable. Then you can uh, buy a virtual ticket because it's going to be live streamed as well as performed live in Manhattan. Go to theboxofoddities.com. The closer we get to Halloween, the faster the seats are going. We hope to see you there. Again, theboxofoddities.com is where you can get tickets and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. We did it! And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast On Twitter at BoxOfOddities And Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.